Welcome everyone. I'm incredibly honored to have my dear friend Annabella Chan as our first guest for the Moda Metier podcast. She's the founder of her eponymous jewelry brand, which she started in 2013 after graduating from Royal College of Art and shortly after being named as the winner of Vogue Talent in 2014. She opened her first boutique in Hemiard in London, and today she has another boutique in, on Sloan Street. And her jewelry is, is worn by uh, celebrities like Lady Gaga, Jennifer Lopez, Rihanna, Rita Ora, and many, many others, and including myself. <laughs> so instead of me doing a longer introduction, I would like to get Annabella to tell us uh, her story, how she became a jewelry designer, and how did you build your business, Annabella? First of all, thank you, Neri, for having me today. It's, it's such an honor. And you know, like, you know, when we talk, we can go on forever. So I'm, I'm so glad to be doing my first podcast with you as well. <laughs> um, so how did I start? Actually, my first experience in sort of fine jewelry goes all the way back to when I was a teenager. So when I was about 15, 16 years old, I had the opportunity to interview um, Andrew Grima, the late Andrew Grima, who's a royal jeweler at the time. And he's known as sort of the father of contemporary jewelry. And, and he used to make sort of exquisite pieces for the queen and Princess Margaret and many others. And I had the chance to interview him for a school project. And so I traveled up to London. Um, I was studying at Brighton at the time in boarding school. And so I sat down with him at the Burlington Arcade where he was having a, an exhibition. And I went through sort of like my questions of you know, why he does what he does and also looking at his designs and talk, he, he was telling me about his work processes. And what really sort of was the magic for me was when I showed him some of my sketches for my project, he actually took them away to his atelier and asked his craftsman to experiment um, with some of my designs. And at the time I had this idea of casting the most delicate sort of French lace into gold and platinum and create to create this sort of like fluid pocket square brooch for gentlemen. And so he, he loved the idea and he actually like sort of experimented with it. And so for me, that was my first sort of eyesight, I guess, into the world of fine jewelry and artisanal craftsmanship. And that's some, something that sort of stayed with me for the rest of time. And, and my actual sort of beginning of my career wasn't in jewelry. I'm, I trained as an architect. I practiced for one year with Richard Rogers in London. And then I worked in fashion for six, um, six to seven years before actually going back to the Royal College of Art to train on my master's in goldsmithing and jewelry. So for me, it was it was a journey and a sort of almost a full circle completion when I arrived back at, at Fine Jewelry to launch my own company. And so, so I suppose that's sort of how, but exactly how it sort of led me to starting my own brand. I think, and a lot of times you you find that something happens to you, your personal sort of life, or whether it's adversity or something like dramatic, that what that sort of leads you to reevaluate, you know, sort of what you want to do in life, makes you sort of propels you forward to make those decisions. And for me, it was when I was working in in fashion, I had a very sort of successful career. I first designed for Alexander McQueen, and then I became a, a senior women's wear designer for All Saints in London 
when I was 24. So I was very young at the time, leading a team of designers, so traveling around the world, creating collections after collections. And then four years sort of down the line, my father had a stroke and he passed away sort of suddenly. And I think that sort of caused me to sort of pause and actually reflect in what I really want to do. And I always knew I wanted to start my own sort of company, my own brand and my, my own sort of project and my own sort of to tell my own story. And so that sort of made me make the decision to quit my job and go back to college and, and start again. This is incredible. Actually, from many years ago, when we first became friends, I remember coming to your boutique and asking you this same question. And uh, you told me this very personal story at the time, which also touched me, I remember very clearly, because you said, I knew I had to follow my dreams because my father had told us, be happy, no matter what you do, you have to follow your dreams. And I don't know if you remember this, but it, this, this comment stayed with me, even at the time when you told me, it touched me as well. Thank you for sharing this with, uh, with us as well. It's not an easy decision to, to start your business. So in the beginning, I'm sure you faced challenges. I know that success doesn't come overnight. And uh, was this experience the same for you? Did you face any challenges when you first started out? And how did you overcome them? I think it is so true, like what you said, I think the importance of knowing where your ambition lies and what your dreams are and, and to follow them is, is something that can be life-changing. And like you said, you know, my, my father was a great man and he, he is one of the smartest people I know. And he is the smartest person I know. And, you know, he built his life and his career to provide for our family um, the best, you know, education, the best sort of life that we could possibly dream of. And I remember having a conversation with him at one point, And he said to me that actually he, he is in shipping and logistics and, and before he passed away. And that wasn't his dream when he was young, but that was, you know, his, his career has led him to be, and he, he was like hugely successful at it. But he never sort of really had the opportunity to pursue his personal dreams. And so for that, it's a constant reminder for me that, you know, my, my father sort of did what he did to, to, for his family. And so I had the privilege to follow mine. So of course I have, to, I have to take that opportunity and do just that. And so when you talk about challenges in the beginning, I think when I first launched my brand, I mean, what sort of sets us apart is we are the first sort of fine jewelry brand in the world that champions laboratory grown gemstones paired with fine jewelry, high jewelry designs and artisanal craftsmanship. So it was about offering a different perspective in my industry. And anything that is different, that is a change, will always have its own challenges. And first and foremost, it's, it's an education and, and an understanding of what this means and what it entails and why and how. And so for me, having the, the ability to have our own store and our own space where we can tell the full story was paramount to actually launching the brand. And so it was always my focus rather than sort of going through the usual path of, you know, finding many sort of stockers and, and, you know, wholesale partners. For me, it was always direct to client because to be able to tell our story directly is invaluable. And it's what makes the foundation of, of what we do is that connection to people. 
and to tell why I do what I do. And for me, it's also a personal discovery because I was trained very traditionally and with gemology and, and fine jewelry design. But what changed my path was it was actually in my、um, second year at the Royal College of my final year. I got married, and Jimmy and I went on our honeymoon to Sri Lanka, and I made sure to visit some gemstone mines locally. So it was something that I was really very much looking forward to at the time. And I remember before my trip, I was sitting down at the RCA coffee shop with a, with a friend of mine who's a footwear designer, just talking about this trip and the visit to the mines. And she mentioned to me that actually her family is in the mining industry,、um, in gemstones and mining industry. So naturally, I asked her. So if you have all the resources in the world to to at your feet, so why aren't you like doing jewelry design like I am? Why are you designing shoes and and handbags? And so she said to me, if if you had seen what I had seen and you know what I know, then you wouldn't want to be a part of that industry either. And so that was like. Planting a seed in my mind, you know, I always knew that there were issues. I always, you know, you read in the news the most famous so stories of the blood diamonds and you know, and and the rubies from Miami and all the conflict associated with it. But I never really delved into it further.、Um, and so having that sort of conversation sort of really put my mind in a different headspace. So when I went out and traveled out there to Sri Lanka and visiting those mines and actually seeing. How people worked, the conditions that they were working in, and the life that they lead, for me was was a heartbreaking experience as a designer, because we often romanticize about, you know, the gemstones, the beauty, and and the energy, but actually seeing how the people who work at the ground to dig out these stones, and the adversity they face, really for me was life changing, and that's when I began my research into. Alternative materials. How can I create equally dramatic, equally beautiful, and and fabulous jewels without the humanitarian and conflict and environmental issues and untraceable provenance associated with mining? So that's when I began my research into laboratory-grown gemstones, gemstones cultivated in the science lab rather than mined from the ground. Very interesting. You are actually one of the pioneers in the sustainable. Fine jewelry space, and it couldn't have been easy for you to to be the pioneer. Especially, I remember coming to your store in the early days back when you started, and when you told me these are lab-grown diamonds. I mean, I will be honest; I didn't know what that meant. I had to Google it because I was like, "Why lab-grown diamonds? What does that mean?" And、uh, you didn't stop there. I know today you have a.、Uh, A very interesting concept, and you use very interesting material in your jewelry. So, could you tell us more about that? Yes. So, when I started eight years ago, I mean, it was almost unheard of.、Um, it was unheard of in the fine jewelry industry. Lab-created gemstones have been used in in engineering and in manufacturing and in an industry for for many years, you know, since the sixties, you know, and. And seventies, but very much you know. So you're thinking about diamond dust for drilling, and then you would use sort of non-gem quality synthesized gemstones. And so it is something a technology that has existed for a long time, but it was never valued or never championed into a desirable sort of luxury item. And so for me, it is 
it is it is a magical material because I, I see it as a fusion of art and science together. And for me, growing up, I've always loved you know the sciences and the arts, and it is like a perfect sort of marriage of the two in a way. For me, it is also about everything. So we do is about a focus on innovation, whether sustainable and ethical sort of ethos. And last year, I was very excited to launch a collection called Blooms, which is utilizing recycled aluminium from soda cans, essentially turning sort of trash into treasure, which I love that idea and that concept of turning something truly humble into something really precious and luxurious. And so it's a project two years in the making of research and trial and error of how do I, I remember actually I was at my desk maybe around three years ago, just working on, on the collection and I was researching into recycled gold from, from the tech industries. And I couldn't so find a source that was purely, you know, from the gold taken from, you know, computers and mobile phones and, the, and from the electronic industry. And, and then I, I was drinking, I have a I have a habit of drinking some Pellegrino, you know, <laughs> um, lemon and orange um, sodas, which is probably not the best habit that I have. But anyway, I was just sort of like holding this can like, at my desk and I was just looking at it and thinking, well, actually, you know, soda cans have been recycled over and over again for using as soda cans. And aluminium has been used in, in fine jewelry in the past. It's, it isn't something that is completely alien. So why can't I recycle the soda can into a refined aluminium that is fine enough to be cast as the same as precious metals like gold and silver. And so that's when I started experimenting. I suppose like it is about finding that challenge and that solution to, to your problem that hasn't been looked at before that keeps it really exciting for me. And for, I suppose with the aluminium, the, the biggest hurdle that we had was impurities because the soda cans have been recycled many, many times. There are often impurities in the metal which causes porosity which are like tiny pores and tiny holes in the metal when you are casting it. And you can't have that in, in fine jewelry. It has to be perfectly silky smooth. And so it is how do we overcome those impurities and by heating the metal at different temperatures and by refining it into a state that you can use to cast in, in the jewelry pieces. And so for me, being able to work on something like innovative in, in terms of our material choice and creating beautiful jewelry that people love to wear is a very exciting combination. Absolutely. So they are not just sustainable. You know, when we think the word sustainability, especially in the old days, the second you say it's sustainable, you think, oh, maybe it's not as attractive or it's not as uh, wearable, desirable, but your jewelry is exceptionally beautiful. I'm one of your biggest fans from the <laughs> early on. And I think you are wearing the Bloom collection right now, yes. your earrings, I can spot them. <laughs> they are beautiful. The beauty and of being able to work with aluminium is like you can get these incredible colors um, and, and spectrum of colors that you wouldn't be able to with gold and with platinum and, and other metals. And and the, the joy is that it's so lightweight as well. So it, you almost don't feel like you're wearing anything. So they're so comfortable. And they really allowed me to sort of go into a scale that I haven't been able to achieve before um, because of the weight. Because what I, what I love to create is 
actually jewelry that you can wear day in day out like from day to evening it has to be comfortable and and to be able to create that drama and that sort of excitement is it's, it's been wonderful and ultimately like you said i think you know for me jewelry has to has to bring happiness it has to bring joy because it is about uplifting the spirit and uplifting you know how you feel and it's empowering that way absolutely and the second you work you walk into your store or you see your jewelry i can attest not only as your friend but as a customer as well it's like you step into a world of beauty of dream it's another world and that gives you joy you want to be part of that world. you want to be part of the anavela chan world that's for sure <laughs> and you really do it very seamlessly and that's why i also want to ask you where do you find the inspiration what inspires you how does your inspiration process work i find my inspiration but it's a very personal journey and it's a very personal experience um, i find a lot of my inspirations from my travels and, and from nature because I always think the most beautiful geometries and color combinations and and textures come come from nature and and you know I have a a soft sort of spot for butterflies and exotic birds and beetles and, and and flowers and all the things that excites me and stops me in my track and makes me sort of want to pause and and stop and look at them it's what really sort of inspires me and it come it can come from everywhere. And I thought, I think what was interesting last year was because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to travel. I haven't been able to travel at all. So you tend to sort of look much closer to you. And I was you know, painting flowers in my garden every morning um, yeah. as part of an initiative that I was working on and, and finding beauty in like sort of a blade of grass, you know, in the spring with like dew drops on it and just seeing, you know, little things that takes your notice and makes you sort of appreciate the beauty of the simplicity of everyday life is what really sort of in, inspires me. I think anything that stops you in your track and makes you appreciate the simple pleasures of life is what inspires me. Beautiful. Mm. You know, another question I, I want to ask you because many of our listeners will be young entrepreneurs, people like you who want to start their own business. And do you have any advice for them Yes, I think first and foremost, you have to follow your heart and your passion because that is the only way that you can overcome obstacles after obstacles as you progress in your, in your, in your journey. And I also think that common sense and your gut instincts go a long way. You have to trust them explicitly because you, you always know your business best. You will get some advices and people's opinions left, right and center but it is crucial that you stay true to yourself and stay authentic to yourself to, and to your vision because there's only one of you and there's many of other people. So that for me is paramount. And I think, especially for working mothers like you and I are, yes. self-care is it's so important and it's some, the one thing that we often neglect is actually looking after ourselves and our health and our well-being. And it is so important because you will need plenty of stamina to to juggle the two <laughs> and uh, now that you raise it up as well i'm very curious to know how do you balance motherhood successful career busy life family life being a wife i know it's not easy <laughs> it is always a struggle i will tell you that you know and there's no shame in admitting to that i mean 
I think for me, it is juggling sort of the different aspects and facets of our everyday life when you're working and when you have children and when you have your husband and family. It's it is very much about getting a balance of all all the different aspects. I mean, and getting help. I mean. Getting help. I mean, it, it takes a village to make things happen. I have I have an incredible team who I can rely on. I have a wonderful nanny who also I can rely on heavily. And my husband and I we share the childcare. We share everything. So there isn't a typical sort of mother role or father role, so to speak. But we are both, you know, which he is as much a mother as I am a father. I always say, and to be able to do that and to be able to both have a career. You need that partnership. So I think first and foremost, having that partner in life that shares the same goal, the same perspective, it's crucial. And I think being open to getting help is also extremely important because you will need it. And then it is a it is a juggle. And so having boundaries also for me, like it's a great help. So since having my children, well, since having my second, we have decided that. I stopped working at weekends, so I'm so the weekends I'm fully dedicated to to the children, and Monday to Friday I work and I, and I juggle. It's a it's a challenge. I I have the same. So I'm as you know I'm a mom. I have my business, and it's not so easy. And I'm, it is it, and you end up working very long hours, and then you end up missing meals, and then you know you you sort of you you try your best, and I think we are all sort of finding our own rhythm. And you'll find sort of your own, but make sure not to forget your, you know, yourself and our own health because that ultimately, if that sort of fails, then there's nothing that we can do. This is very true. But something our listeners don't know, but I got to witness. It was during my wedding. Annabella was my maid of honor. It's her exceptional organizational skills. <laughs> I have never met anyone like you, honestly. This is not, I'm not just saying this. I still remember sometimes when I have to do several things at once, I'm like, what would Annabella do? <laughs> she would know how to manage this. <laughs> it's very true. Well, um, about your business, if I uh, go back to, to the business, I am curious to know if you had a turning uh, point in your business. Yes, so I think there are three key turning points in my in my business. So the first was when I first started my my brand. I wasn't sure that how people would react to to my jewelry and to my collections. You know, using high jewelry designs, creating beautifully crafted pieces, but using lab created gemstones. And so the first trunk show that I I held was actually I traveled to Hong Kong to visit my family. And that was about two months after launching my website and my online store, and so I was just sort of sitting down with my mom and thinking, oh, you know, I I've never actually sort of met people face to face or people that I didn't know and see how they reacted to my jewelry. So why don't I like try and have like a secret pop up trunk show and see what the responses are? And so that day I sent out, um, I found a location and then I sent out a. Uh, invitation to to my so the friends and family and and people who've subscribed to my mailing list to say that in um, I will have a secret pop up in 24 hours and it will just be an afternoon for three hours and you can come and see the collection 
um, up close and try things on. And I sent that out with 24 hours notice. And in that afternoon, I was completely overwhelmed by the interest and the people who, who showed up because I was expecting no one to show. I was expecting probably a couple of aunties and two friends and that was it. And in that like three hours, I had sold like over 50 pieces, you know, in, in a short time. And that was the first time that I felt that actually people do respond to my idea and they do respond to my collections. And that gave me the confidence to, to go further. And then the second turning point was when probably about, I would say 10 months or 11 months from launching my brand, I saw my, a pair of my um, tourmaline feather earrings on Lady Gaga and she wore them to the Frank Sinatra tribute show in New York at the time. And that was the first major sort of celebrity who wore my pieces. And, and because as a brand, we do zero advertising, we don't do any paid partnerships. And so it was an organic, you know, sort of placement, so to speak. And so for me, that sort of blew my mind that actually it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's a natural mind gemstone or it's a lab created gemstone. If the jewelry is beautiful, you know, people will wear it with pride and they will wear it to the most important events and, and occasions as well. And it can be loved the same way, you know, and appreciated the same way. And so that for me was a very special moment. And then I think the third sort of changing, sort of the turning point in my career was actually in 2019, um, I went to a talk at the GIA alumni events in London, and that sort of led me to launch my first ever collection featuring gemstones that have been mined by artisanal miners in the Umber Valley region in Tanzania, because this was the first time that I felt that in the industry, it was done correctly and it was done the way that it is sustainable and it is truly ethical. So this is a project that um, is, it, it is called the Moyo Gems Project. And what it means is through the use of blockchain technology, we are able to buy the gemstones directly from the artisanal female miners themselves, where the miner herself receives 95% of the export price of the gemstone. So put that, putting that into perspective, that is, three to 10 times what they would conventionally receive on, on the market day. And that difference is what makes them being able to thrive rather than merely survive. And because for me, that is a turning point as well, because I, I see the beauty in, in mind and natural gemstones as well. But my problem was always that I couldn't justify or find a way that I think is truly ethical because a lot of the times knowing the origin of the stone, it doesn't necessarily mean that that stone is ethically or responsibly sourced. It's when the miners themselves are paid fairly and working in a safe condition and that they, they have access to sort of basic you know, necessity resources, you know, whether you know, it's some like hospital and see, be able to see a doctor, being able to put food on the table and being able to send their children to school. You know, these sort of basic necessity is what I see is what makes, you know, a community thrive and be, make that commodity sustainable and ethical. And for the first time, I felt that this project allowed that to happen and it was fully traceable and it was fully accountable. And so that gave me the opportunity to venture into 
a, I suppose, a new sort of arena that I didn't think was possible before. This is incredible because it shows, you know, your jewelry is beautiful. There is no doubt about that. But to hear how much thought there is behind your process, not just about inspiration, but traceability of it. There's so much humanity as well in your jewelry that uh, I knew about it, but even just talking to you now, it puts it into a whole different perspective, even mm -hmm. for me. I say even for me because uh, I've known the brand for a very long time. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing because uh, also I think there is a lesson here for the young designers and entrepreneurs who want to start out. I really love the story how you started the trunk show and that's a great tip. But another, another tip I want to ask you because you were a small brand and you have gotten just 10 months after launching with no paid advertisement, the attention of Lady Gaga. How did that happen? And uh, how can a small brand get me big media attention or celebrity attention? So I think for, for me, when I, was, when I first launched my brand, when I was actually even going as far back as when at the Royal College, I entered a lot of competitions. I remember when I interviewed Andrew Beamer that like two decades ago, I asked him the same question, what advice would you give me if I wanted to, to succeed in, in this industry? And he said to me, like, enter as many competitions as you can because this is how you get seen and this is how you know, people will discover about your work and you will also be able to learn from the industry. And so that's what I did. And so when I graduated, I had five different international awards and one of them was with Vogue Italia and Vogue Talents. And they sort of gave me editorial space in their magazine and they sponsored one of my showcases in, in Dubai and also in Milan. And so that gave me exposure to some of the best stylists in the industry who discovered my work. And I think staying true to your, your design aesthetics is, is paramount to that because people will then learn about your, your, your style and your work and, the, and, and to be able to sort of reach that many incredible sort of artists and stars has been, has been a phenomenal sort of experience for me. And it's, it always comes as a surprise sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I would literally jump out of bed at like 3 a.m. and like, you know, scare the life out of, of Jimmy because I, I saw somebody, you know, somebody sent me a link or I saw somebody wear a piece of my jewelry on the red carpet on social media. And so that excitement, it's something that still, that still runs, you know, every day. And I think to be able to, to reach nowadays, it is almost easier than I would say eight years ago because of social media, you have the access to showcase to the world of your creations and your aesthetics, your inspirations, your story via Instagram, via your website, via the different social media channels. And it is a lot easier to, to be discovered in a way, but in that sort of crowded space, to be able to showcase your own sort of story, it's where your authenticity really makes the difference. This is a great tip, great tip for anyone who wants to start their own brand even if they are very small even if they don't have uh, any pr any marketing in the beginning starting small taking small steps being true to themselves being authentic goes mm -hmm. all the way and uh, we come to the end of our interview and our little chat 
and before I finish, I plan to have a question, a standard question for all of my guests. It's uh, if you can go back in time and sit down and have coffee or tea with your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give her? So I think for me, like both professionally and personally, what I love the most is to be able to do what I love and be able to touch on people's lives where it matters most and make a difference in the world. It's what gives me purpose and what sort of drives my, my motivation and every day. And to actually learn from the industry, learn from how things have been done, to offer a better solution, a different solution, always in mind for a better future. It's what makes every day exciting. So to go back to my 18 year old self, I think I would say is knowing what your purpose are in life and what drives you and what sets your sort of heart and soul on fire. And to trust that you, you can make a difference even as, as a singular person because every great idea and every great change starts with one person. And to know that the power of many always begins with the power of one. It's something that really is very powerful. And I always love this saying, I didn't know this when I was 18, but one of my favorite sayings was is by the Dalai Lama. And he, he said that we are all visitors on the planet and we are only here for 100 years at the very most. So in this time, we must try to do something good and something useful with our lives. And if you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the true meaning of life. Wow. So I think knowing that it's, it's what makes, makes everything a lot simpler, you know, you, you, it breaks all the complications in life down into a beautiful saying and not to take things too seriously, enjoy what you do and try to bring happiness to other people. Beautiful, thank you so much. This is so inspiring. <laughs>